0: Welcome this morning to Sunday School. All right. Uh, so we've been talking, um, obviously, quite a bit about uh, de- um, judgment and discernment, because we've been talking about uh, decisions and uh, choices that we as Christians make. Uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about doing this. Uh, we've we've uh, taken a look at uh, the way that God wants us to judge uh, in this christian life um, they are um, things that uh, that are important uh even some things that we think are not as important. God puts a very big if you will emphasis on uh about judging right even in the small things so that we can judge the big things um and he he had a lot to say about that with the uh the Pharisees and in, in the way that they would go about judging, uh that they missed out on uh the righteous judgment because they only looked on the outward appearance. Um, he also told them that they had a hard time discerning. And we talked a bit about discerning and what that meant. Uh the two things that he talks about in Ecclesiastes is we need to be able to discern judgment and time, meaning that we need to know how to judge and we need to know how to use our time uh, correctly, as uh, the book of Ephesians says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. But I want us to take a look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to start there this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, in uh, verse, um, uh, let's just go ahead and uh, uh, start with verse 12 here. In Verse twelve he says, "Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, and these things uh, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparison spiritual things." with spiritual meaning that that's kind of got to be the mindset how we look at things has to be first and foremost spiritually not physically we're looking at it with the physical lenses then we're going to be looking at it with carnality and flesh if we look at it as does this please god is this what god wants me to do uh does this align with his will and his desires uh, then we're looking at things in a spiritual matter and looking at the spiritual consequences. Because obviously we understand there's physical consequences. You know, you, 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 as an example, you, you jump off a bridge without a, a, a bungee cord or a parachute, you're going to get hurt. It's like physical consequence, right? You know something's going to happen. You know you're going to get injured. You know that there will be... Uh, a hard impact at the bottom of it. And if you've ever had to jump off of something that was a little higher than what you expected it to be, you understand that apprehension as you begin nearing the ground, and it takes longer for you to get to the ground than what you thought. I remember the first time I did that as a young uh, young boy, I was uh, jumping off of something that I shouldn't have been jumping off of, and I jumped off, and and, uh, only by the sheer grace and mercy of God did I not break something. Um, uh, but I, I, I climbed up to the top of my, uh, grandparent's camper that was on the back of his truck. You know, those, uh, campers that you slide in there. I climbed up to the top and I thought, oh, Hey, it'd be really cool. to Just jump off of it. Right. <laughs> Whoo! I jumped off and about halfway down, I'm like, this is taking longer than I thought. <laughs> <clears throat> and the impact was a little bit more jarring than it, than, than I expected, And my brothers were looking at me like, you alright? I'm like, yeah, I think so. (laughs) You know, there was a consequence. It just happens. So we understand the physical consequences when we do physical things, but we have to look at how we operate in a spiritual manner and the spiritual consequences of those. That's part of the discernment. Because look at what he says here in verse 14. He says, but the match, natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So here's the issue. I cannot expect somebody that is unsaved to abide by the moral principles of God's word. I can't expect that. Why? They don't get it. They don't get it. If you've ever tried to, to, to argue abortion with somebody that is unsaved, uh, it, it to them, it just doesn't compute. It just doesn't add up. Why? Well, number one, they have no foundation of truth. They have no foundation of, if you will, the basis of science, uh, which came from God and from him and him alone. I mean, there has to be that acknowledgment. You know, even with all of his failings, Sir Isaac Newton realized that everything was created by God and that he was just uh, somebody that was uh, set out as an explorer to find out who God is and what God is all about uh, in the nature that he's given us. But that natural man that is unregenerate, that is in the physical form, because our our, our bodies are not redeemed, let's just put it that way, we understand that, we we realize that this flesh isn't going to get the spiritual concepts. Our flesh is going to always be combating us. It's always going to be fighting us. It it, it operates almost as if it was a separate entity sometimes. Because we'll enter into that, well, I want to do that because it feels good. I want to do that because I'm going to get pleasure from that. I, I want to do that because I'm the one that's going to get some benefit from it. Where the new man that is in us, which is contrary to the natural man, is going to be saying, no, that's not what we're to do. We're to follow the will of God. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but there's going to be some consequences of that afterwards. So we have to spiritually discern it. In order for us to spiritually discern, as he talks about here, uh, uh, he, he, he says, They're going to be foolishness because the Spirit of God is not teaching them, is not instructing them, is not giving them the wisdom. You ever see an unsaved person try to talk about the Bible and its importance or what they deem as the lack of? And you're sitting there going, you don't understand. Well, no, they're not. Why? Because they have no spiritual discernment. They have no spiritual discernment. The more we engage in the flesh, the natural man, the less we are able to spiritually discern things. And as he's talking about here, this is what we're supposed to do. He says we we, we cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God if our flesh is in the way. If our flesh is in the way, we, we, we can't get it. We can't know them. We can't know who God is. We can't receive any of that instruction from him. Because there's no spiritual connection. Because look at what he says in verse 15. He says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now kind of circling back to what we were talking about when we first started this, judge not lest you be judged. God just told us if you're going to be, you know, spiritual, you're going to judge everything you do. You're going to judge everything you do. You're going to judge your words, you're going to judge your thoughts, you're going to judge your actions, and you're going to judge them according to the set of laws that have been given to us by God, his word. So what do we wind up having to look at here when we look at this judgment process is we look at it and say, well, I'm going to make a determination, okay, is this right or is this wrong? Is this good or is this evil? Because he, here he says, he says, but he that is, is spiritual judgeth all things; yet he himself is judge of no man. Now, 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 here, here's the concept: as God has already said, if we're judging ourselves, we're doing what is right. So, before we start looking at anybody else's life and what they're doing, we've got to stop, take a look at ours. What does my witness say? What does my testimony say? How am I exhibiting and demonstrating Christ in my life? If I'm doing X, Y, and Z, then obviously that's going to be against God's word. I am not going to be testifying of the grace, glory, mercy, and salvation through him. I'm going to be testifying of myself, which is, if you will, humanistic pride, satanic in nature. Go over to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made or had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, lest ye shall, uh, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And serpent said unto the, the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God knoweth in the day that ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So what was that tree called? It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil back over there in verse 9 of chapter 2, where he says, Out of the ground, middle Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, don't eat that tree. Don't eat that tree. You may eat of any other tree, but you can't eat that one. In verse 17 of chapter 2, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat thereof, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And here's the devil saying, hey, you you, you wanna, you wanna key in on uh, making yourself into a god? Here's how you do it. Gotta know good and gotta know evil. Gotta realize they never knew evil at this point in time hadn't even entered into their mindset and their hearts. And what happens? They're exposed to the consequences of evil. As he says here, good and evil. And he says in verse 5 of chapter 3, knowing good and evil. You go back over to again where we were talking about where they couldn't even discern in Nineveh, the right hand and the left. It's not that they were dyslexic, it's they didn't know what was right and they didn't know what was wrong. So in the same concept here, what we wind up seeing is that they don't know the difference between what is good and what is evil, and now they're exposed to this concept of good and evil. Now God's saying, you gotta make a choice, you gotta make a decision, you gotta judge what is right and what is wrong. You gotta judge what is good and what is evil. You gotta judge what's gonna help you and what's gonna harm you. You have to make those decisions every single day. And somebody that is spiritual is going to be doing that. They're going to have to ask themselves and ask of the Lord as they do things, is this what is right and is this what is wrong? Is this good or is this evil and harmful? I have to know the difference. I have to know the difference with that. Why is that? Because if we don't, then we're going to be always constantly on the other side of righteousness. We're going to be in the unrighteous territory. We're going to judge things with a sinful eye, meaning that our eye is going to look at it from a very carnal perspective. So this is why things have to be spiritually discerned, because of what happened back there in the garden. Knowing good and evil. And we can know what is good simply by knowing God. Let's just start there. Because God is good, is He not? I mean, how many times has God bailed our fat out of the fire, so to speak? How many times has He protected us? How many times has He forgiven us? How many times? God is good, right? We understand that concept. So why in the world would we want to choose anything else that would be evil and harmful? Which would you rather have, a big glass of arsenic or a big glass of, uh, you know, cold milk, if you can drink that? Cold water. Uh, 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 You know, for those of us that indulge in stuff, uh, a big old milkshake or, uh, you know, Italian... um, Italian soda or or, or or your your morning coffee. Which would you rather have? Oh, hey, I'm going to decide. I'm going to go ahead and drink the Drano and rat poison today. Let's go ahead and make a nice cocktail out of that one. You know what happens? You'll die. There's death in that. Nobody sits down and rationally does that but we've habituated ourselves into choosing the evil all the time because we think that's what's best. So we have to know this difference. And here's where the important part comes. If you go over to Hebrews chapter uh, 4 and verse 12, God has given us his word to help with this decision-making process, to help with discernment, to help with judgment, because we find that in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Man, we love to quote that first part, right? Because it does get in there and it cuts 15 million ways to Sunday. You know, you're sitting down, you're reading it and you read something and you're like, oh, okay. And you just read it and then you come back to it the next day and like, oh, okay. And then, some, then some, you know, pastor mentions something about it in, in in a sermon, and it just pricks you to your heart. And the next time you read it, it just cuts you to the quick, right? Conviction. Praise God, the Holy Spirit still does that. I can't imagine if you read the Word of God and you're not convicted, and you read the Word of God and you don't see the Holy Spirit t- uh, 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 showing you things, and, and and you're putting things together. Man, you better check, make sure that there isn't interference with your, you know, with your heart. There's something physical there. Something fleshly that's that's causing you to not spiritually discern. Gotta be careful. But it's the second part where it says piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That's an interesting thing. Not flesh and spirit, but soul and spirit. Sometimes it's pretty easy for us to determine what the difference between flesh and spirit is, right? Ah, it's pretty easy. If I go in and sit down to a 18 ounce bowl of jelly beans, it's not gonna be good for me. It's not gonna be good for me. I understand that concept. I understand, you know, that that, that it's necessary as part of my daily food to be reading and engaged in the Word of God to be studying, to be meditating and memorizing the things that God has given us from His Word, those good things, those benefits. It's good to do that. We can look at it. But how about soul and spirit? Soul and spirit. We're talking about two things that we can't necessarily see. But the soul, it comes down to who you are. The soul comes down to who you are. God didn't just save your flesh, did he? Well, we know he didn't save the flesh. Why? Well, we keep falling apart. Warranties expired. And there is no extended warranty on this thing. Trust me, you meet $8,000 deductible or, you know, out-of-pocket maximum, you're going, oh, this is expensive. (laughs) Yeah, this is not, this is not a, 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 a cheap thing. Maintaining the human body. Which is probably why we neglect it so much. Because we'd rather spend our money on something else. It's more pleasurable. But there he is saying, I want you to, you know, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And it's interesting to think about that. Things that are spiritually discerned are going to have a spiritual connection with the spirit. And sometimes our soul, is going to be exhibiting our will and what we want. So we look at that, that, that part there, and you know what the Word of God does? It gets right in there, and it discerns all of those things that are somewhat right and, 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 and not quite right. And it gets in there and says, okay, this part you're wanting to do because of you, this part over here is what God wants you to do according to His Spirit. And the Word of God gets in there and gets right between that, And says, here's the difference. Here's the line. Here's where you don't cross. And praise God for that. Now, Sometimes people like to say, well, there's a lot of gray area in Christianity. Oh my word, stop saying that, please. Look, it's not a matter of black and white. It's not a matter of gray areas. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of being able to judge and discern spiritually. Righteously, making the right choice. And the Word of God is going to direct you in that. The Word of God is going to show you that. But if we mishandle the Word of God, it's just going to be like a kid that you give a big, giant samurai sword to that's a genuine samurai sword. You give that to a five-year-old, bye-bye kitty. The dog's running away. It's not going to be a pleasant thing, okay? The kid's going to get cut. People are going to get cut. People are going to get hurt. And sometimes that's the way people wield the Word of God. They treat it as if it was a three-year-old that just got a hold of daddy's gun. Dangerous. Very dangerous. Stuff that is where you see parents freak out about. I mean, if you're, just imagine, at some point in time, if you're a three-year-old, and you're just in there, and you're you're doing whatever you're doing, and you're making yourself a snack in the kitchen, and all of a sudden from the garage, you hear the chainsaw start. You're like, I think maybe it's your spouse, you go out there, and there, there's your three-year-old, and he's got the chainsaw. What usually happens? Some of us are maybe more common, like, hey, let's... Let's turn that off, or you go over to the power cord if it's you know plugged in, or you just kind of gently walk over and 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 kind of try to maneuver it, or you do the freak out. What are you doing? Drop it! And the kids like ah, the chainsaw's on the ground, clattering all over the place. Right. So when I say all of that to say this is that. If we misuse the Word of God, then yeah, of course, we can make it say anything we want it to say. But if we study the Word of God and let the Word of God do what the Word of God does best with the Holy Spirit, then He is going to teach us that difference between the good and the evil. If we let God do that, not us sit down and go, well, I think that maybe... No, 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 no. And it says there, and of the joints in the marrow, the joints in the marrow, we're talking about getting down into the deep part of it, our walk, joints, you have to have a joint to be able to walk. If you don't have joints, you ever have joint problems? Anybody have knee problems or hip problems ever? Yeah. What happens as those things begin to fail? Movement becomes difficult. The Christian walk becomes difficult if it's not being, if it's not supplying the right form of, if you will, nutrition spiritually for those joints and the marrow, which is the, if you will, the factory of the body. That's why if you get a, a cancer that goes into the bones and the marrow, it's not a good thing. Why? Because then it starts replicating the wrong stuff. Factories shut down. Workers go on strike. They become French. If you don't understand that, I'll explain it sometime when we're talking about geoeconomics, geopolitical economics, whatever. <clears throat> but, it, you know, it, it, but, but, but here, here here's the key part of it. The Word of God is what will help us with that discernment. Because in the last part it says, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it's our will versus God's will. This is where it's our ideas versus God's truths. Our opinions versus God's principles. Because what happens there? The thoughts and the intents of the heart. We know our thoughts arise from what we put into our heart, what we keep there. And it will affect our intent What we're doing. Because sometimes there are things that are done on the outward that are not being done inward correctly. Pharisaicalism. The show. Feigning. Fakery. Political. When we do things that, that that don't align with the Word of God inwardly, the Word of God's going to point that out. It's going to discern it, and it's going to show us, "Hey, you know that thought? That's not biblical thought. That's not the mind of Christ. That's not godly. That's unrighteous. Stop it. No, really, stop it. <laughs> right now, stop it." <laughs> Stop thinking about it. And it comes down to what's in our heart. Because the intent of our heart is we may be trying to, we think we might be doing something good. But the question is, is it really? This is where it comes down to the judgment part, the discernment part. We think we're doing something that is good for God. But is it really? Happens all the time. Why do people come to church? Why, I mean, you know, are we coming for the right reason? Are we coming because we have to? Or are we coming because of the fellowship? Are we coming because of friendships? Are we coming because of family? Are we coming because we were dragged to church? Are we coming for the right reason? Well, I go to church. Yeah, but why? Why do you go to church? Well, I read the Bible. Yeah, but why? Well, I pray. Oh, okay, but why? I serve, yeah, but why? I try to do what is right, yeah, but why? What's the intent behind it? And this is why I always go back to, and, and if you will, is the is it kind of the, the motto of this church: "To God be the glory." If it cannot be done for the glory of God, it has no business being done. It has no business even being a thought in our life. It has no business even being anywhere remotely near our heart so that it could get to our mind, so that it could come out in words or deeds or whatever. If it doesn't glorify him, then what's its purpose? Why is it there? It means, he said, if you're spiritual, you're gonna judge all things. You're gonna look at it and you're gonna judge it. Okay, here's the standard of judgment. Does it please God? Is it in His will? Can God get the glory out of this? Specifically, who's gonna get the glory? Who's gonna get the glory? And I want to bring it to this this concept here, and I kind of want to wrap up a little bit of this kind of ad hoc series that that I kind of went into here. But I want us to go over to, <coughs> excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter twelve. Deuteronomy chapter twelve. <coughs> um. You have a choice every day. Starts the minute that alarm goes off, right? Snooze or to not snooze? That is the question. Right? Right. You choose to not snooze. You get up, do the required morning activities that are necessary for bodily function. And then you have choice to eat or not to eat, to have coffee, to not have coffee, to go to work or to not go to work. Yeah, if, if you're retired, to retire or to re-re-retire. re-retire, re re retire again? <laughs> I mean, you understand what I'm saying. We're faced with choices every single day. Take a look at what he says here in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall you bring all that I command you, and your burnt offerings, and your sacrifices, and your tithes, and the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice vows... Which ye avow, which ye vow unto the Lord. And this is kind of a weird, a little obscure verse that I I know I'm referencing here, but it deals with choose and choice and God choosing something for Israel to give them. And he's talking about some things that they're going to make a choice with. Now that word choice is very interesting. We use that word choice a lot in this world, right? We have a choice. We have a choice. Are you pro choice? Or are you pro life? I am neither. I am pro Christ. And God said, what is murder and what is not? End of discussion. End of discussion. So when we take a look at this here, uh, what do we wind up seeing? We see that there's a choice, but he says choice vows. That word choice means worthy or excellent. Something that's above something else. You know, we can make a lot of silly vows, can't we? We can make a lot of silly vows. Sometimes we make silly vows. Lord, I will do this if you do this for me. And God goes, okay, I'll do that for you. Well, I wasn't really expecting you to do that. And he does it. We make silly vows. And and look, if we make a silly vow according to our own will that's outside of God's will, that's one of the ones you need to throw on the fire and burn and just go to the Lord and get forgiveness over, okay? Because God's not going to bless a vow that's made in sin. Lord, I vow to rob ten banks today for you. No. Doesn't work that way. But he talks about choice vows. Meaning that these are the best vows that they can make for the Lord. They're above all the rest. They're above all those things. Because as we see and progress a little bit further, I go over to uh, the book of uh, uh, of Proverbs, and we find more about this word choice, just to kind of, again, get some more definition about this. Because, again, when we start talking about choice, we need to understand what this means. And and, and this comes to the good and the bad, the the, the, uh, good and the evil, if you will. In Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8, Here's wisdom talking uh, we see uh wisdom described as a woman. we see if you will, the foolishness of sin and uh the selfish desire over there in the previous chapter. we see here the things of God and what wisdom dec- uh you know says it decreases the best and we find her, uh, saying in verse uh, um, verse ten it says, "Receive ye my instruction and not silver." And knowledge, rather than choice gold. You know, there's going to be a lot of things in this life that seem like they're really, 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 really good. The best gold in the world, the purest gold in the world, does not compare to the knowledge and wisdom of God. And we have a choice. Which one are we going to take? Take a look at what he says further in verse 19 of this passage. What the Lord says, he says, My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Businesses are all about revenue. not capital coming in, helping grow. And God says what he provides as profit is better than the choice silver. So choice gold and choice silver, we know those are the best things that are out there. And sometimes we're faced with, good, you know, good choices, bad choices. Now let's just say for a moment, you like a taco. And tacos are good. Uh, but we also know there are some tacos that you don't ever want to eat ever again. Anybody in here like Jack in the Box tacos? <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> just greasy little things that look like they've been sat on. Like like they've been in somebody's back pocket. And then you just throw it in there and you're like, what is that? I remember the first time seeing one of those. And I'm like, you're eating that? What it? If you like it, hey, you know, I guess, you know, praise God. You know, some people say the same thing about Taco Bell. Some people say the same, same thing about Del Taco. You know, w- w- whatever it may be. But, you know, you go to some place... Like a really good street taco vendor with the fresh pork and the fresh cilantro and the fresh onions and the fresh salsa on that little soft taco and they put it in there and they give you like three of them for like two ninety five and you just look at that and you're like hmm and you eat it and it's just like oh where have you been my whole life? And it's so good, isn't it? Which one's choice? Which one's choice? We want the better things in life. But we've got to choose that. And sometimes the world deceives us and our own mind deceives us and the devil deceives us into thinking that the things of the flesh are the better choice. That's the choice gold. That's the choice silver. And what does he say here? He says, no, that's not the case. He says, uh, the words of my, uh, excuse me, uh, um, uh, his his instruction, his knowledge, uh, his fruit, and his revenue is better than what the world is going to offer you. It's better than what the world's going to offer you. It's sure going to last a lot longer. It's sure gonna help you a lot better in this in, in, in this life. Things of the flesh really don't help a lot in the Christian life. They really don't. I got a lot of worthless knowledge rolling around upstairs in this skull. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you this: there, there's a bunch in there that uh, goes against God's word. There's a bunch in there that is selfish. Uh, there's a bunch in there that is, uh, is, is just, uh, is fleshly in nature. And it hasn't helped me get closer to God. It hasn't. I'm not talking about talents or abilities. I'm talking about stuff that, really, what's the purpose of knowing that? And, and we realize that we've got a big choice to make. Take a look at Proverbs 10. <clears throat> and here's where it comes down to. Talking about worthy, talking about being excellent above everything else. And we find here in uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 10 and, and verse 20, it says, The tongue of the just... Is his choice silver? The heart of the wicked is little worth. And this is very interesting because when you start realizing it and as he talks about it, it's a dark saying, meaning what do you have to do? You gotta get the light in there, you gotta start searching, you gotta start looking, you gotta start digging in that. Tongue. What does the tongue do? The tongue utters words. Without the tongue, it is impossible to speak the right way. The tongue, and he says specifically, of the just. This world today is calling for just. Justice. Just men and women. They wouldn't know justice justice if it came up and slapped them in the face. Talk about lady justice. Justice she's supposed to be blind and hold the balances. Yeah, no. You know who the just one is? God. Our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ himself. He's referred to as the just one. So the words that come out of God's mouth... He compares it to choice silver. That's interesting, considering that over in uh, Psalms chapter 12, he talks about the word of God being purified in a furnace of what? Silver. That fire purifying that silver. Silver is always has a typology of redemption and word. Specifically the Word of God. There's always a connection with it. And as you take a look here, you can see it. Tongue of the Justice is choice silver. Why? That's the better choosing. Somebody puts two things of silver in front of you. One is all cankered and looks like it pulled out of the bottom of some shipwreck from the 1800s in the Caribbean. And the other one is newly minted, freshly pressed, crisp, clean edges, shiny. Which one do you choose? Both the same weight. You're going to choose the one that looks nice, unless you got a thing for old, disgusting, ugly things. But you, you understand what I'm saying is you're going to make the, you're going to make a choice. You're going to discern which one's good and which one's bad. That one you don't know what's happened to it. You don't know how far it's degraded. You don't know what 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 it was. The purifying process in the 1800s versus the purifying processes today are far better, right? Not necessarily. Not the 1800s. Better temperature control today, better, better, uh, uh skimming processes, better, better extraction of the purest silver. There's a choice. And you're gonna pick the good one. You're gonna pick the good one somebody brings out, again, you know, two hamburgers. One actually looks like the advertisement. The other one looks like somebody wrapped it in McDonald's, which we all know how they wrap them in McDonald's. There's the bun, there's the patty, there's the cheese, they throw the onions and things in on there, and then they take it and they put it on there, and they place it on there so gentle and so nice, and they wrap it like a little present, right? And what was a burger that was once this is now this, and you pick it up and you're like, <laughs> you eat it anyways because you paid for it. And you're like, well, I just, the taste is good, but if you got a choice of something that actually looks good versus something that looks, yeah, more than likely we're going to choose that which is good. The choice. He says, the tongue of the just is his choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. When we begin engaging in wickedness and we start indulging in sin and having the carnality of the world affect us, the end result is is what is produced is of little value. There's no glory to God with it. There's no speaking of his redemption. There's no glorification of His Word. There's no magnification of Christ. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. We, th- th- there's a choice. There's a choice. And we have a choice. We have, we, we have to choose. What did Joshua say over there as he was getting ready to kind of... uh wrap up his ministry in Joshua chapter 24, told the nation of Israel, he said, you have to choose this day whom you will serve. Many of us have that uh, somehow uh, in our home or something like that. But as for me and my house, we will choose to serve the Lord, right? Yep. That's one of those ones that, as, as God says, we need to have on the frontlets of our eyes. What is that? It means that we should really have these little mini shades that are right here that we pull down every single day before we make a choice. We pull it down and we read that verse. And then we pull it back up, right? Right in front of us. That's what should be. That's the decision-making process. That's the choices that we make. Um, turn to uh, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7. <clears throat> and uh, it's kind of interesting here in Isaiah chapter 7 in verse uh, 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Im- uh, uh, Emmanuel." talk a lot about it about this time of year, right? Yeah, I mean, forget Thanksgiving. Let's just go straight to the gift-getting, right? Anyways, it says, Butter and honey he shall eat, uh, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse uh, the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest shall be forsaken of both her kings. Now, there's a prophecy that's there, and he's talking about, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to send a Savior for you, but before he's even born, uh, we're going to have some things go wrong. But it's interesting to see there that he talks about the child should know to refuse the evil and choose the good. You know, one of the greatest testimonies is Jesus Christ himself knowing to choose what is good, Over what is evil? Look at the decisions Jesus Christ made. How we responded to people. How we responded to sin. How we responded to betrayal. How we responded to abandonment. How we responded to the Father. How we responded to the Spirit. And I dare say, you know, I look at this verse, and, and and there's a lot for us to know. You know, you 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 look at that, and it says, "Buddy, but, but in verse uh, uh, 15, butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good." You ever have that together? The other day, uh, you know, I, I, I I'm still struggling with this whole issue of even wanting to eat. I just look at food and I go, Bleh. and I'm talking about when food's placed in front of me. Now, I can sit there and I can watch, you know, food shows all day long, read recipes, do things like that, cook food myself. But as soon as it hits a plate and it's sitting in front of me and I got a fork and I got to eat that thing, it's just like, yeah. And it's a fight. It's like trying to get a two-year-old to eat It's broccoli. You know, I don't care how much a little airplane you do, that thing's gotta go down, whether you grab them by the nostrils and they go, ah! <laughs> down hatch it goes. You know, sometimes I feel like I have to do that with myself. The other day, I had a little bit of a craving of something that I thought would be good. I just wanted three little pancakes. That's it. Three little pancakes. Now, I don't eat maple syrup because, well, uh, me and maple trees don't get along. So I kind of avoid the maple stuff. Um and then, uh, there's also, uh, we had some, some fruity syrup in there, but it had been a long time since I've had eating pancakes or anything like that. So I opened it up and I think it had moved itself a right in the bottle. <laughs> Cause I went, That doesn't smell fruity or sweet. That smells like sweet vinegar. (sniffs) Yep, putting that down the drain. So I'm like, what are we going to have? So I whip out the old, good old Kerrygold Irish, you know, butter, which is the best butter in the world. You can't argue that. That's biblical, right? Amen. (laughs) No, don't. But, uh, uh, you know, it's it's good butter. I like that butter. You put it down and it just is amazing. And, uh, and then Amy was like, Hey, you could put some honey on it. Ooh. If you've ever had like honey and biscuits with the butter melted, hot, dripping all over the place. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I gotta do it. That was the only thing that I thought would be craving good and I had it and it was just, oh, it was good. It was good. Would you realize what he's talking about in this verse? God gave all the good stuff to Christ, right? Why? So that he would know to chose Hey, that's the good. I don't want the evil. Right? How much good, how much butter and honey has God given us as believers? For the purpose of knowing what is good and knowing what is garbage. And I look at this passage and I realize, you know... God has given us so much that we would know to choose what is good. He's given us salvation. He's given us eternal life. He's given us forgiveness of sins. He's given us His Holy Spirit to teach us. He's given us His Word. He's given us promises that are true and will always be true. He is not a man that he should lie. We understand all of those good things. And even when we don't even expect it, what does God do? God gives us even more good. That little problem you were dealing with, God handles it. You didn't even need to pray about it yet. God handled it. Before it was a problem, God handled it. And then when we've got our big problems, what happens? God helps us and handles it. All of these things we begin to see here and we begin to realize that that God does for us, they're good. They're good for us. We should know to choose what is good. If we're not paying attention, and and, and I know we're entering into a a season right now of of what people call Thanksgiving, Let let me be real clear on this. If you are not thankful all year long, and you're malcontent with what God has given you, you're going to have a hard time choosing between what is good and what is evil. If you can't be content with what God has given you right now, you're going to have a hard time knowing what's good. We live in the United States of America. We've got it pretty good. Yeah, well, things are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at least you're not getting bombed out of your home. Right. Mm-hmm. What was it? Uh, I think it was two Sundays ago. Thirty Christians were murdered in Africa. Little fledgling church in Sudan got kicked out of their meeting place because they found that they were worshiping Christ. They had to find another place to meet as believers. That hasn't happened here. (laughs) Western Christians have got nothing to complain about. We're like Laodicea. And I dare say that when we start making our choices, we've got to know that difference. What's good, what's evil. God's Word is going to help us discern that. God's Word is going to teach us that. His Holy Spirit's going to do that for us. It's going to be spiritually discerned because we have the Spirit of God. And He's going to help us discern time and judgment, what we're using for God and what we're giving to God and what is God's. And all this time is God's because He's the Creator of time. We just get to redeem it. We're given a certain amount that we redeem every single day. And are we going to redeem it for Him or are we going to redeem it for ourselves? Are you going to take that you know, $100 and redeem it for something that is worthwhile? Or are you going to take that $100 and blow it on cotton candy and jelly beans and just sit there later on and just lament why you've got a bellyache? We've got the choices. We've got the judgment that is given to us that God expects us to use. As somebody that is a Christian, he talks about this in Romans chapter 12 when we first started talking about judgment if we don't realize before we start looking around judging everything else that we ourselves need to make the right judgments first, then the problem is with our heart. Problem is within me. Problem is in what I desire. And a choice has to be made to turn to God, who is the choice above all. The most worthy, the most excellent, the better than the rest, as Hebrews talks about. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed for a short period of time. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for all you've given us. And Lord, I thank you for just uh, giving us some understanding here, Lord, as we seek your word and making better decisions, choices, judgments, and uh, using the discernment that you've given us. Lord, again, I thank you for our your guidance through your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would use our life and our time to please you, to honor you, give you glory and praise for all that you've done. Lord, again, I just pray you continue to meet with us and teach us for through the uh, uh, 11 o'clock hour. I thank you again, Lord, for all those that are here. I pray for, Lord, those that could not be here, that are sick or not feeling well. The Lord, you heal them up, raise them, and bring them back up to us, uh, healthy and safe. These things I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.